You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 27th, 2018. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Happy Friday to everyone. Thanks for letting me have the day off yesterday. I hope you enjoyed that podcast where I answered questions from Stuart Hodge, sort of our fan correspondent, if you will. Uh, trying to just get get me to focus in a little bit more on some questions that you might have that that others might have, uh, and, and give the show a little bit of a different flavor. If you missed that episode, it's good good little recap of of the Magic's offseason moves, hiring Steve Clifford, drafting Mo Bamba, summer league, what happened and didn't happen in free agency. Definitely check that out. You can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. As I said, over the next couple of weeks, we'll probably scale back episodes. Go go to maybe three times per week rather than an everyday show just because there's not a lot going on. If something important happens, of course, I will jump in. Um, We'll talk probably about some bigger global issues, maybe get into some magic history uh, as we get through the rest of the summer. I do have some thoughts about the team and the upcoming season, but we do want to save those for August. We do want to save those for September when we get a little bit closer to the year. So lots to get to. We'll get to it. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, this is the time when when some of us like to try and take vacation because the NBA kind of goes quiet. But this week has not been a quiet week in the NBA. Actually, skipping yesterday kind of was not the best decision because there was some big NBA news that is worth sharing. That news, of course, the decision by the Cleveland Cavaliers to extend Kevin Love's contract, uh, give him a f- new four-year deal, really a deal that keeps Cleveland in the playoff conversation and and shows that Cleveland is planning to stay in that playoff conversation. And just like there's a Locked On podcast covering the Magic with all the excruciating detail that we do, there's a Locked On podcast covering the Cleveland Cavaliers. So let's take a listen to the reaction to this signing from Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs. Hello there, this is Chris Manning from Locked On Cavaliers. And if you haven't heard already, Kevin Love has signed a four-year extension with the Cavs for, for $120 million. This is a deal that keeps him in Cleveland in theory through his 34th birthday for the next five years. And for the franchise, it gives it a a face of the franchise post-LeBron James. It gives them someone that they can build around and then they can market around for the next few years at the very least. Is it possible they trade this deal in a year, six months, what have you, to get young players and to feed into a a league where a contender may want Kevin Love, especially if Kevin Love comes out and posts Minnesota-like Kevin Love numbers this year. It it is fully possible that happens, and this is just a a stopgap a la Blake Griffin's deal with the Clippers a few years ago. But in my mind, this is the the sign of what the Cavs are going to be post-LeBron James. If you go back to when he left for the Heat, Uh, a ways back now seems like forever ago the Cavs were a barren franchise they had no young talent they had no way to rebuild and when they rebuilt this was a team that had to get lucky to be good again they had to have the Clippers pick they got in a salary dump with Baron Davis turn into Kyrie Irving they had to have Tristan Thompson work out they survived drafting Anthony Bennett drafting Deion Waiters who did not work and did not fit with LeBron did not fit with Kyrie for that matter they missed on guys. They didn't spend free agency money well. They signed guys like Earl Clark, traded for the well. Dang, that didn't work. When Spencer Hawes and Maurice Spate and Wayne Ellington are the signature moves of a franchise, that is not a good sign for the health of your franchise. But post-LeBron, they're setting themselves up to at least have a chance to be more competent. 
with Kevin Levin, they have, a fr- again, a phase of the franchise, a focal point of the offense that they can run things through. He should be an all-star this year. He should have a high usage rate. He should be very, very good again, assuming he can stay healthy. But they also have, now, around Kevin Love, Colin Sexton, their top pick from Alabama, who they're very high on, and they're going to try to develop into something special. They have Jetty Austin back for year two, and I think primed for, if not a full-on breakout year, a very, very good year, because I think he's a very good NBA player. And they have other guys. They have George Hill. They have Vontae Zizic, who they're going to bring along. They're very high on Larry Nance, and he'll get an extension shoot as well. Rodney Hood should be back on this team next year as well. They'll probably, um, if, they, if they're if they in the bottom 10 of the league, they'll get another pick. They're going to keep building, but they're not going to build by bottoming on all of the 76ers. They're going to build more like the Jazz, where they keep their, their, their guys they want to keep developing. They keep some of their better older players, like the, Cavs kept, the Jazz kept Derek Favors and didn't bottom out after losing Gordon Hayward. They're going to build around love, bring along their young guys, and keep things going. And I, and I do think if you look at this for, for a move for the franchise, this is just a good thing. Maybe it's more money than they would have paid a year from now when he hit open free agency. Maybe this is above market value. Maybe it's, it's more money than a team should be giving a guy like Kevin Love as he hits 30 years old. I get that. I get that perspective. But I think for their needs, for needing a face of the franchise, for needing to maintain their reputation in the city, for for every aspect of them, and for needing to and, and desiring to really wanting to play competent basketball to try to compete to at least be a competent team with an identity in the next year, in the next two, three years, however long Kevin Love's around, and maybe throughout the whole course of this deal, and as Colin Sexton and Osman and their next crop of young guys develop, and as Nance keeps developing. They want to have a reputation and, and do things the right way and have, have a chance to do things the right way. And, and I, don't, I think it's a good position for them and to get Kevin Love, to bring him back, to pony up for this guy, to have that secure as you build forward, and to try to build sustainably with him as part of your plan. I think certainly there's going to be some questions about how healthy he can be, how effective he can be as the number one option again, and those things will get answered. But I think overall this is a good deal for the Cavs. It's a good deal for Kevin Love. And I think it makes sense for both sides. I think it's a B-plus deal for the team. But I fully, fully think this was a smart thing. It came a little bit out of nowhere, a little bit out of uh, earlier than I wanted have expected. But I think this is a good thing. And the Cavs should be very, I think, happy about signing Kevin Love to this extension. If you want more on this deal, please subscribe to Lockdown Cavaliers. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at CWMWrites. Thanks. Our thanks to Chris Manning. He does a great job on Locked On Cavaliers, covering the Cleveland Cavaliers. Thanks to him for providing that little bite and, and his thoughts on the Kevin Love signing. Uh, if, I mean, obviously, I think when, when, the, when the Cavaliers lost LeBron James, the, the going thought around the league and I think around fans was it, it's time to bottom out. It's time to, to try and start over. You got Colin Sexton. He's a nice young player, but you're capped out. You're never going to be able to keep some keep your players or go out and sign new players to stay relevant. And certainly without LeBron James, you're not championship relevant. If you know me, I am not someone that be, that believes in championship or bust. I think that there is value in making the playoffs and being an entertaining product. I mean, look at the last six years with the Magic. Uh, being a good playoff team, even if you're not competing for a championship, is not a bad thing. I'm not saying you accept, accept that as the end goal or accept stagnation, but um, I, I don't think being mediocre. I mean, I've, I've had people tell me the, that the Raptors are a bad thing. 
Um, I don't think the Raptors are a bad thing. I'd love for the Magic to be the Raptors and be relevant and you know win 50 games a year and, and a playoff series. But yeah, at a certain point, you do have to try and push forward and, and find a way to, to get better. But I think what the Cavs were doing here is they kind of recognize that A, it's going to be a while before we have money again, and, and B, uh, you know, you can't rely on the lottery. We got really lucky to get Kyrie Irving and then Andrew Wiggins to, to pair around LeBron James and win a championship. It took a lot of luck. It's silly to let go of a star player, uh, even one like Kevin Love, who maybe hasn't done it on his own. They have Colin Sexton. Eventually, they'll be out of cap hell. And when all that happens, they'll be set up well, you would think, to compete, especially in this Eastern Conference. Bottom line is, too, though, that they should be able to compete in the East now. I don't agree with Chris necessarily that they're out of the running for the playoffs. The Magic are out of the running, for, are probably not going to make the playoffs. But Cleveland, I think, should absolutely have playoff expe- expectations still for this season. I think that they're absolutely a team that could find their way in, in the playoffs as, as you know a 6, 7, or 8 seed. I have not sat down and done my breakdown. I'm not saying that they will get in there. They're on the fringe. They're going to be competing for a playoff spot, but they're on the fringe. And I think Cleveland's okay with doing that right now. Like Chris said... If they end up not, they get a lottery pick. They get another young person to add to their to their team, and and maybe that's ultimately what would be best to to not make it this year and add another young piece. Then again, maybe it's okay to make the playoffs. I, I don't ever think it's a bad thing. You hear me say it all the time: winning is never bad. Um, but Cleveland's definitely going in an interesting direction, uh, and Cleveland is definitely, definitely, definitely keeping their chips in the center of the table. They want some skin in the game. They want to win and giving Kevin Love a big contract with his injury history uh, and really his record as a number one guy and, and his age, certainly a risk, but a risk that I think Cleveland is fine taking. Back now to the Magic, though. Um, it, it's it, it, This week was a busy, was, I guess, a busier week. Monday, of course, Orlando acquiring Jarrell Martin from the Memphis Grizzlies. We talked about that on the show earlier this week. Um, but that essentially finishes the Magic roster. Um, You know, Jeff Weltman said back at Summer League that they're probably done reconfiguring the roster. They're probably done um, trying to to, to do new things with this group or to to add any new major pieces. And and really what we saw in the the flurry of trades that we saw earlier earlier this week was the Magic operating around the fringes. I think Bobby Marks of ESPN.com said that Orlando essentially saved $2 million through the $3 million they gained from the Thunder and the Grizzlies. They saved $2 million, and they probably got their backup power forward. So all that got me thinking, let's spend some time then resetting or setting up what the Magic Step chart will look like, at least for opening night. Now, yes, a lot could happen between now and the and the beginning of training camp at the end of September. In fact, it was August 10th, remember, when the Magic finally traded Dwight Howard. Um, it was in August when the when the Celtics acquired Kyrie Irving, forcing the, the change to the NBA 2K uh, t- title. Um, a lot can happen. So this is not a final thing, and, and we'll probably do this again down the road. But... Assuming the Magic are indeed done, let's close out this week by looking at what the Magic's depth chart looks like 
heading into the season. We'll start, of course, at point guard. The position that probably bedevils most Magic fans at this point. I think a lot of fans are dissatisfied with where the point guard situation is at. They're you know maybe a little frustrated that Weltman has just has stated publicly we have a lot of faith in DJ Augustin and what he can bring. And yes, right now I think DJ Augustin is absolutely the starting point guard for this team. I don't think it's much of a debate there. Honestly, I don't think there's much of a, there's going to be much of a competition. But certainly we know that Augustin probably isn't the long term option. This is probably the one position where there isn't a guy that really makes complete sense. But I would say this. Augustin's the most... What I like about Augustin, what I think he brings to the table, is consistency and he won't make mistakes. And right now, I think that's what the Magic want from the point guard position. They're not looking for a guy to create and just drive and, and just do everything. They're simply looking for a guy who's going to keep the boat steady manage everyone, manage everything, not make mistakes, make an open shot when he gets one. That's DJ Augustin, and he showed that all last year when he finally, when he really had a really good season last year. Again, he's not a long-term solution. He probably doesn't help you much defensively either, but he's the best the Magic have. Behind him are two relatively unproven young guys. Jerry and Grant, had a great run with the Chicago Bulls last year, looked okay with, with more minutes, averaging about seven or eight points per game. Not a great shooter, but could be an interesting defender, could be an interesting driver. It wouldn't surprise me if there's a stretch in the season where Grant's playing really well and he gets rewarded with a few starts. But I would say that his youth and, and, and experience and, and really he's still learning the point guard position. He's really a shooting guard in college. He's still learning how to manage a team. And so I think that's why he probably comes off the bench. And just like I think Jerry and Grant will have moments where he starts, I think there'll be moments where he's a DNP coach's decision because Isaiah Briscoe's behind him. And I think that Isaiah Briscoe, um, we saw what he could do a little bit in Summer League where he's a good driver, he's, he's a good slasher, um, improving shooter, probably looking for a shot a little too much. But he's an intriguing enough player, obviously, that the Magic brought him on. Rounding out the point guard position, of course, is Troy Copain on a two-way contract. So not a lot to not a lot to say about him. We know um, he's probably a better point guard at this point than Briscoe as far as just knowing how to manage a game. Decent shooter, not a great shooter. That's still improving. A little bit undersized, especially for what the Magic are trying to do. Um, but again, solid player in the G League. Had a great year in the G League last year uh, for the Lakeland Magic. Shooting guard, shooting guard and small forward, I think, really blend together a lot. Um, at least with the three main players that could play this position. Evan Fournier is going to start, whether you want to call him the two or the three, um, I would call him the two because of who I think is going to start at the three. But Evan Fournier, Fournier is probably going to start um, best offensive option on the team. And say what you want about him uh, on, on that front, but he's he's led the team in scoring last year. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he does so again this year. He is very solid. I mean, again, you probably are asking him to do too much with what the Magic do ask him to do. But again, he's just solid. I, I don't ever have to complain about what Evan Fournier is doing. Uh, for the most part, um, I think he takes good shots. I think he plays smart. Again, the biggest issue is you're you're asking him to do too much. Behind him is going to be your choice of Terrence Ross or Jonathan Simmons. Like I said, I think Fournier, Ross, and Simmons are going to split minute a lot of minutes between the two and the three. Um, uh, there's going to be a lot of overlap here because versatility is something that Jeff Weltman and John Hammond value. Um, Terrence Ross wrote a little bit about him on the website yesterday. Uh, he is 
coming back off the injury, so you don't really know what he's going to look like. He looks much healthier if you watch some of that workout video, um, but he obviously still has um, a lot of work to do to get back to full health, to get back to 100%. And he should be able to get there. I don't see why he, he isn't going to get there and, and provide the same kind of consistent... Uh, same same kind of threat as a shooter, threat as an offensive player. Just a smart player, does a lot of the little things you don't have to ask him to do. He's a great teammate, um, and, and I'm really excited to see him back and healthy uh, because because he's he's a good dude. Um, Jonathan Simmons had a really nice year last year as well. First time getting major minutes. Um, again, you know we we all kind of said we liked him better in the sixth man role where he can play a little bit more on the ball, and I, I think that's kind of where he slots in this year. I, if you're telling me to rank all three of these players, I go Fournier, Simmons, Ross. I probably put Simmons in that second spot. Um, I currently have him slotted as the backup small forward. You can flip him and Ross easily, um, but uh, Simmons uh, really improved his shot. Um, you know, streaky with the shot, but. But really improved that way, you know. Still has to get some consistency as far as making it through an 82 game season. Um, don't know what his status is after the wrist surgery that he had, uh, but um, but you know you know what you're getting from Jonathan Simmons, which I think is good. Behind them is Wessa Wundu and Melvin Frazier. Um, very similar players. We know that both very strong defensively, struggling with their shot. Their ability to stay in this league is going to depend on their three-point shooting. I would think Wundu has a little bit of an edge heading into training camp. I wouldn't be surprised if Frazier spent some time in Lakeland this year, whereas Wundu will probably not get that, that same time that he did last year. He's going to spend time on the main roster and probably get some minutes, get some spot minutes here and there as needed, um, especially if the Magic do intend to play Jonathan Isaac mostly at the four. I, I don't think that's the case, but I'll explain that in a little bit. Um, so definitely an interesting grouping there. And then, of course, Brian Angelorotis, um, he's an Exhibit 10 signee. Uh, it looks like he is in the running for that second 10-day contract. Um, if not, he'll certainly play in Lakeland this year. Uh, so kind of scratch him off the depth chart, if you will. Of course, the main event for this team is at, in the front court. Jonathan Isaac, I have him slotted as the starting small forward. So as much as I want to talk about Ross Fournier and Simmons and, and how I think they could all split the minutes at the two and the three, Isaac will get his time at the three. I I, I, I know there's some people who are talking like, will Steve Clifford actually start Jonathan Isaac? I think Isaac's defense is too good. He's too valuable to this team. Um, if he can withstand the rigors of an 82-game season, again, he may not start. If he plays 82 games, he may not start all 82 I think that's just kind of the nature of young players. Just kind of, you know, if you don't want to bring him too fast. But this kid should be starting. He is ready to start. Um, we saw him play at a high level last year defensively. We saw him play at summer league at a high level defensively. That's just so valuable. You can't bottle that up. You got to just let that go. Um, yeah, the shooting's going to be an issue with that lineup. If your lineup's August and Fournier, Isaac Gordon, Vucevic. Spoiler alert there. Um, but I, I think that Isaac. Um, is is ready to start. I think he's ready to contribute at that level, uh, and, and I think it's, he's just too valuable not to do it. He just he, he makes too big of an impact to to limit his time on the floor, um, and so I would put him at the three. But having said that, I think he will spend some significant time at the four behind Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon obviously starting at power forward. Um, that shouldn't need a ton of explanation, um, but I, I I think that a I like the pairing of Isaac and Gordon. I I, I think that that can work because their skills complement each other, because they're both versatile, because they can play really any forward position. Um, but I think just out of necessity, we will see some lineups where Isaac's at the four, where he's playing with bench units, probably to start the second quarter. 
Um, and I, I, I think that's the direct, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of options for Steve Clifford here. Let me, let me put that perfectly, make that clear too. Um, there are a lot of different mix and match lineups he can do. He can do an Augustin, Fournier, Fournier, Simmons, uh, Gordon, I, you know, you know, Bamba lineup. He could do Augustin, Ross, Isaac, you know, you can, you could do a lot of different things. You could do an Augustin, Ross, Simmons, Isaac, Bamba lineup. I mean, that, that would, that would be a really good defense. That could be a really strong defensive lineup, or maybe you switch out Grant or whoever as a second unit. There are a lot of options here for Steve Clifford, a lot of versatility. He's going to be able to mix and match and experiment a little bit with his lineups. That's actually going to make preseason really intriguing to me. Uh, if he can, if he can mix those lineups up that way, um, you know, again, not a lot needs to be said about Aaron Gordon. Uh, we're hoping that he'll take another leap in his game this year. Uh, I, like I said, I think I, I'm someone who believes that his experiment at the three wasn't as much of a disaster as people make it out to be. Uh, but I think working with Isaac will make it work a little bit better. Uh, another guy who's kind of a versatile four who can play on the perimeter too. Uh, but Gordon's three point shots improved a lot, and so I think we'll we'll see him see him kind of expand his game once again. Behind them is Jarrell Martin, of course. Um, uh, good defender. I talked a little bit about him when the Magic got him from the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, interesting defender. I think he has the potential to be a good defender. He's probably not quite there yet. Offensive game is extremely limited at this point. A lot of straight line draw, straight uh, straight shots to the rim. Not a lot of jump shooting. Not a lot of uh, not a lot to, to say about him offensively quite yet. He's kind of struggled to find his way. Um, but if he plays defense, he'll find he'll find time. And, and, and I think the Magic wanted that depth at the four. Very possible as well that Ken Birch gets some minutes at the four. I think he's more of a natural center, which is the big logjam on this team. Um, but but Birch could be in the running for some minutes there. And then finally, Justin Jackson, the second-round pick. He hasn't signed with the team yet. If he does, I think the Magic will slot him as their stretch four off the bench. I think it's more likely that he'll spend the year in Lakeland, whether on a two-way contract or uh, just not on a two-way contract, kind of like what they did with Tyler Harvey a few years ago. Finally, the center position. At center, I still think Nikola Vucevic will get the start. I'll explain a little bit more on that Monday on the podcast. So just hold on tight to that thought. To send your angry emails elsewhere for a little bit. Um, I, really, I think it comes down to Clifford and the Magic don't want to rush Bamba into the lineup. If he makes a clear impact, if he's clearly better, it'll happen sooner than later. But I don't think they want to throw too much at him too soon. I think they'll bring him along slowly. They want to try and trade Vucevic, perhaps, so some showcasing wouldn't hurt. Um, but uh, I, I still think Vucevic is probably the better player and probably the guy who gets the starting nod on opening night. Behind him is Bamba. We know what Bamba is going to do defensively. He's going to really change the game defensively for this team, um, especially with bench units to start off with. He'll get his time with the starters. Don't worry. I, I think there will always be some room left for him to get some time with the starters. Um, but it's gonna take time. It, it, it's not. This guy is not ready to come in and, and impact the game dramatically immediately. Not for a long stretch of time. You know, he played only 20 minutes per game in summer league. He may not even have the stamina to play starters minutes yet. So I think that the Magic will play it slowly with him, bring him off the bench. And yeah, there might be some games where they decide. You know, let's let's let Bamba sit and watch today, and have Ken Birch play, um, because Ken Birch is also pretty good. Um, Magic do have a good problem at center where they have three legitimately good centers. You know, one probably isn't part of the team's future or future vision, uh, but still probably, but still very, very good. Um, you know, picking between Vucevic, Bamba, and Birch, 
you're probably not winning a championship making that decision, but you're not upset with the centers that you have. Um, you know, I think this is a good problem to have for the moment, although I think fans will want to see Bamba and Birch much more than Vucevic because we kind of know what we're getting with Vucevic, but um, he's still probably the best center on the team if the team is trying to win a little bit. And then finally, you have Timofey Mozgov rounding things out. Uh, I know Steve Clifford said that he expects Mozgov to play or find some way to use him and contribute. I'm not seeing it with this depth chart unless there's a lot of injuries. Uh, I think Mozgov is the odd man out, and uh, I'm sure he'll want to get stretched and, and go find some place to play um, if he can. But you never know what's going to happen with injuries. But I, I, you know, maybe Mozgov plays earlier in the season because he's he's a veteran. But I'm I'm not buying it. I, I think he's 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 probably the one guy in the entire roster that I just can't find playing time for at this point. I, there, there are three legitimately good centers ahead of him, and and no time for for Timothy Mozgov. Well, I hope you enjoyed that little depth chart review. I believe the Magic have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Magic now have 15 contracts on the roster. Briscoe's unguaranteed. A one dues unguaranteed. So the roster's pretty much full. They still have the one two-way contract available. Um, so not a lot that left for the Magic to do again this summer. So I hope that the step chart review um, gives you an idea of what to expect for the Magic as we prepare to get into September, prepare to get to training camp at the end of September. Got a long way to go before then. Maybe something will happen. Probably not. But um, Orlando definitely, uh, their their roster has taken shape. Um, it, overall, is this a roster that's going to make the playoffs? Probably not. I'll say that there's a universe where it does, if, where things really click. They've got some talented players. They've got some depth, especially on the wings um, and, and certainly at center. Um, but this is going to be a young team that makes a lot, that makes some mistakes and it's going to be a work in progress unless they really buy into what Steve Clifford is selling uh, and, and really commit to it and execute. It's going to be another kind of difficult, not difficult season, but it's going to be another season where wins are going to be hard to come by. Wins are going to be very hard earned uh, and, and the team is going to have to kind of keep its confidence to really succeed uh, in this season. So long way to go before we get there. We'll break it down plenty here on Locked on Magic on the way to the regular season in October, but we got a long way to go before then. Uh, at least the schedule should be out within the next, what, week, two weeks. Um, usually comes out first week of August or uh, sometime in early August. So hopefully we get a schedule pretty soon uh, so we have that to talk about as well. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening. You, of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. You can, of course, find the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic, as well as like us on Facebook at Locked on Magic. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, including a look at why Nikola Vucevic probably should be the starter to start the season, check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at OMagicDaily. The Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag, by the way, is open. We'll do a mailbag episode probably next week at some point to answer some of your questions that you submitted the mailbag. You can still submit your questions to me online at omagicdaily on Twitter or by email at omagicdaily at gmail.com. Ask me anything, of course, um, as it is your mailbag that I respond to. Thank you again for listening to today's episode for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic. This has been Philip Rossenreich. I will see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.